everybody. It's another great day on Revival Town Podcast. I'm Chuck Tate. That's Andy King. Hey, how you doing? Hey, hey, hey. I was doing good hanging with you. Yeah, doing doing good. It, it's always good hanging with you. And uh, last week was a big day in America. Fourth of July. Independence Day. Independence Day. What does it mean to you? What does it mean to me? It means hot dogs <laughs> and firecrackers. No. Um, I- <laughs> Uh, you know, I'm just, I'm thankful for the, obviously, I'm thankful for the freedom that we have. And I'm, I'm grateful that we still have free speech. Yeah. Things are a little bit crazy right now. Crazy. By the end of the day, even though I, I would say you can sense there's some persecution coming to the church like we haven't experienced before, but when compared to other nations, I'm so grateful yeah. for what we have. and. Fourth of July is always fun just to get together family and friends and fireworks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's funny how it's it's that day of the year that my uh, Instagram and Facebook lights up with people ripping on the English. Uh, <laughs> well, you're the one Here who we showed go. up into America, <laughs> went to Boston, representing England on... Independence Day. Oh, that was crazy. Me and Dave Jane. He's going to be on in a, a few months. I mean, he's he's, he's climbing a mountain at the minute. Uh, but uh, he um, he and I went to Boston for our Fourth of July, first Fourth of July, being in America, and we had no idea. No idea. I know I've shared this story before. We had no idea what Fourth of July was. So the World Cup was going on. And it was in 94, and we go to Boston, we're in Boston doing a missions trip, and Ireland were playing in the World Cup in Boston. Okay, so there was soccer in 94? (laughs) (laughs) That was good, that was good. Um, So we just thought the closest things we had was our England soccer shirts, and there we are walking around with our England shirts on, on America's Day. Yeah. You know. Right near the Boston Tea Party. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right? Crazy. Good but stuff, anyway, man. we survived. What did you do? So I went swimming. So myself and the kids went swimming, and then they had stuff going that night, and I hung out at home with my, with my wife. But during the day, my, um, yeah, my kids and I, we went swimming with some other people from the church. Cool. And um, it was great. It you was, know, it I used hot. to... What? It was a hot day. It was. It was a perfect day for swimming. And I, I love diving boards, and this pool had a high dive. Oh. Um, but I have a um, little bit of, um, what's the word, blind spot? Like, I used to be <laughs> I used to be really crazy on a diving board. Um, you know, one and a half gainers, full gainers, half gainers. Uh, one and a half with a half twist landing can, can opener. I, at one time, I could do a double flip and even a... Um, I did a, I could do a, a backwards one and a half at one time. And, um, I even won a little, remember the, um, AG camp in Carlinville? Yeah. Yeah. In high school, I won a, we had our own Olympics. Yeah. I won the gold medal in diving. Just Really? Yes. I thought you, Dave Mudd won the gold medal in swimming. Well, I know Dave was a good swimmer. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. But, um, but anyway, yeah, I'm a lot slower. So I did attempt years ago a two and a half off a high dive and i I pulled out too soon and did a two and a face flop oh and i never tried that again but anyway so so this past week at fourth of july we were swimming and 
Um, so I did get up on the high dive a few times, and um, I did do a one and a half, but I, man, I'm, I'm getting slower, I'm heavier, and I realized, man, I just don't got it anymore. And I was, yeah. it was, it was hard. I pulled a muscle on <laughs> my last, my last dive of the day. Um, I got out of the water, and I have like a this Charlie horse on the back of my calf, and I'm still limping a little bit. Right. Crazy! You're not, you're so, not, not as young as you used to. Yeah, no, no, man. I don't like. I don't like this getting old stuff. Uh, so, how about you? What'd you do? You know, we did something totally different in Peoria area. There's a city just a few miles away called Bloomington, uh, about 45 minutes away. Yeah. So me and Teresa went there for the day. Joy was out with friends most of the day, and so uh, we went over there, just shopped, and you know, it was weird. I was like, why aren't the shops open? But anyway, you yeah. know, no, a lot of them were open. But right, yeah, so just hanging out in Bloomington. Just hanging out and then came back. I'm not a big uh, firework guy. Yeah. Like, I'm, you know, I, I don't need it. So, um, okay. so we just stayed home and, you know, watched TV. <laughs> <laughs> Watch fireworks on TV. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I didn't do fireworks either. Um, I did them like Saturday night, so a couple of days before Fourth of July, yeah. I went out and saw some, and right in our neighborhood, which which was kind of cool. But yeah, we just kind of hung out and chilled. Anyway, it was a good. Have day. you seen that time lapse from from LA that's been hitting the internet this week? I haven't, and it's a time lapse of um, of LA Fourth of July night. Okay, and it is just like constant fireworks. Like it's a time, so it's going a bit faster than normal. But it's constant, like, and I was wow. like, man, no one is sleeping in L.A. on July wow. 4th. Well, what did your boys say? Did they hear, did they hear, hear any of the... I they went out, they went to different places, but they, they never, I, yeah. I don't know if they'd seen, you right. know, this or not, but it was fascinating. Like, you know, it wasn't like one and then, one. I mean, it was, it was like constant, all night, all oh. night, yeah, so. Wow, right on. Anyway, we, uh, we have got a great conversation happening uh coming right up um brandy wilson is back on the podcast uh you may remember brandy from uh right at the early start i was looking it was december of 2020 when we started yeah that's only a few weeks after we started yeah so and uh she's coming on we don't want to give away any anything right now of what she's going to talk about but boy if you know of people that are going through divorce anything like that you need to listen to this podcast and then do do what she says which is get her book and uh so why don't you sit back relax and enjoy this conversation with brandy this podcast is part of the edify podcast network edify is a faith inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top christian podcasts today Download the Edify app for free from the App Store or Google Play or by going to edify.app. That's E-D-I-F-I dot app. All right, everybody, here we are. Another conversation on Revival Town Podcast. Our guest today is a returning guest. Brandy Wilson is an author, coach, and speaker who has been in leadership for more than a decade at Leading and Loving It, a nonprofit created to empower women to love life and ministry. Brandy has helped plant two churches and is passionate about walking alongside single moms and divorced women 
as they navigate parenting and life. Her latest book is Better Than Okay, Finding Hope and Healing After Your Marriage Ends. It releases Tuesday everywhere. Brandy lives with her three sons in Nashville, Tennessee. We're so excited to have her back. Brandy, welcome back to Revival Town. Thank you for having me. I'm super honored to get um, a repeat visit. So thanks, guys. (laughs) And for those who may be tuning in for the first time, uh, Brandy was my pastor down in Cross Cross Point in Nashville when uh, for a, a year we were down there working on staff at cross point helping set up dream centers uh throughout middle tennessee and uh and so it is great to have you on uh and to really today talk about something that um many years ago you didn't think you'd be talking about Um, oh for sure (laughs) did not expect to be where i am today yeah and so today we're going to unpack this and, and people may be thinking why why are the guys talking about surviving after divorce aren't we uh christians don't christians uh not go through divorce and things like that and the reality is there is divorce in the church and divorce within ministry as well um and so it's taken you obviously a few years to go through what you did and process and then get it onto paper we know me and chuck were just talking about this before we came on that this is going to be a book that will help so many people because it's one of those areas where you know in the church like i I mentioned it's one of those things that isn't really talked about um because we're meant to you know stay married which we obviously that's what we uh go for right but sometimes things happen and so gotcha. you're going to bring this all out uh, today in the conversation and with the the book that you've brought out. But thank you for coming on today. Thanks for having me. You're right. It has. I was um, thinking before I hopped on with you guys, y'all were one of the first places I actually told my story a few years ago. Um, I did a few podcasts just when I, you know, kind of moved into the coaching realm and that kind of stuff. Um, but with the book, have been able to do more of those. And I'm super happy just to have the reflection of where I was a few years ago when I talked to you guys and where I am today. Good. Wow. Well, Brandy, why don't you, can you take us a little bit through the writing process? Obviously, it was it had to be emotional, and obviously, you want to you're excited to share your story, but you're also kind of re- reliving that story. So, how yeah. was that? Yeah, you know what, Chuck? It was um, what I will tell you is the rewriting or the writing of the story last July, 2022. My, um, I was separated for a year in 2016, and then um, my divorce was finalized in March of 2017. So it took about five years for me to start feeling like I was healed enough to write. I felt very strongly about writing out of my scars and not my wounds. Um, I wanted to be able to help people move forward to acknowledge and validate their pain and their heartache and everything that comes with you know, the dismantling of a family unit, um, and to also help guide them in hope and healing for their future. So it really took a time for me to get to a point where I was healthy enough to write. Um, and then I also kind of wanted my kids to grow up a little bit so that, um, you know, my kids 
have read a couple of them have read the entire book when I've read parts of the book, but I wanted to make sure there wasn't anything in there that they were uncomfortable with. So um, my sons are 22, 19 and 17 um, right now. So definitely a little bit older. They're all very aware of, you know, what happened at the end of the marriage, but setting down to write the book um, actually was not as hard as I expected it to be. I think I, there was so much celebration of how far I've come since the divorce happened. I, um, one of the things I talk about in the book is how healing journaling was for me. So one of the benefits I had was five years, five or six years of journals to be able to go back and reflect on where I was, what I was feeling, what I was saying to God um, in those times, and then to be able to look at what I was writing out of, you know, last July. So the writing of the book was not as difficult as I was expecting it to be. It has been interesting to do so many podcasts and talk about my story um, just because I think it's the first time I've really used my voice publicly um, at this large of a range of people. And it feels, I know you guys um, speak publicly, have written as well. It's really vulnerable when you realize that people are going to actually be holding your story in their hands and reading that. So, yeah. um, How good does it feel to hold that book in your hand right now? I, I, oh my I, God. <laughs> it makes me so happy. <laughs> I actually, um, yeah, it's really kind of cool the way it's laid out, but I'm um, cool and heartbreaking but i after this podcast i'm leaving to meet a girlfriend who i've known for years years and years and years we used to be neighbors but haven't seen her really since i moved um one of our sons are the same age and she's walking through what i walked through and has been about six months into the process so right before i got on with you guys i pulled a book for her um and that's going to be the first book i actually sign oh wow! yeah and like write in to hand her to because i'm like this is why i wrote the book because when i was walking through that i didn't have a resource that was acknowledging how i was feeling and how lost and uh i felt and having to redefine identity and figure out who i was and what i wanted with my life moving forward um but to also bring that hope of gosh one day you are going to smile again and one day you're going to find yourself laughing and one day you're going to buy your own house and um you know just really realize like i'm not just okay i'm better than okay yeah yeah so why don't we because i know a lot of people um are listening to this that may not have seen you on the podcast or heard you on the podcast way back because that was your uh, episode was one of the first ones we did many years ago. Um, can you take us just through a bit of your story and how you got to to everything falling apart? Yes, for sure. Um, I married my college sweetheart in 1996. Gosh, oh, 1996. <laughs> um, I know we're all around the same age, yeah. so y'all uh, understand. Yeah, I, think I got married in 96. Oh, did you? Yeah, 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 yeah. So married my college sweetheart in 1996. Um, At that point, we had already started a church in Kentucky, uh, served there for five years, and then came to Nashville and started Cross Point Church, which is where we cross paths, Andy, um, and served at Cross Point Church for 14 years. And in 2016, um, my husband resigned, and it was like 
life as I knew it fell apart overnight. Now, I think we all understand that when your life publicly falls apart, it's been falling apart behind the scenes for a really long time. Um, And I had been working and fighting for it to, you know, get to a point of restoration. Obviously, it takes two people who want restoration to make a marriage work. But um, he, he suddenly resigned and legitimately life as I knew it ended. Um, the church that we served at, Crosspoint, um, was one of the fastest growing churches in the United States year after year. Um, it was, you know, located in the heart of downtown Nashville, the main campus. We had campuses all over Middle Tennessee. Um, so it a lot of attention was put on the fact that he had resigned yeah. and then the subsequent divorce. So it was really hard to navigate divorce publicly. Um, I think when you're walking through divorce, regardless of what your you know job is or your ex-husband's job or ex-wife's job, it still feels very public, whether it plays out in front of you know your church community or maybe your neighborhood, maybe even on Facebook. Um, that that realization of like everyone knows what's going on in my world and it's not good. And their lives are just going on and they all look happy is really difficult. So I went from legitimately being surrounded by thousands of people every weekend to only talking to three people and my therapist um, on a regular basis. So I would take my kids to school in the morning, come home, pull into my garage, lower the door and then go to the second floor of my home. Um, so that if anyone came to my door, they wouldn't think I was at home and I wouldn't have to respond to anyone. I would, gosh, it, it's so like heartbreaking to say out loud now, but I would wear a hoodie to Kroger and pull my hood up so that if someone saw me, they would not ask me any questions about what was going on in my mm. life because I didn't have any answers. Mm. Um, mm. I was waiting through a lot of unknown and trying to figure out the layers of manipulation and deceit. Um, that I had been living in for a really long time. So it was a devastating time in my life. I um, Sometimes I get asked, like, what did you feel? And honestly, I'm like, it's probably easier for me to say what I didn't feel mm. at the time than what I did because all the emotions were just raging from heartbreak to anger to, you know, frustration to being overwhelmed to just feeling stupid that, you know, I had been in a situation of such unhealth and dysfunction for so long and not stood up for myself. Um, one of the things I've realized is that it is really difficult when you're married to someone that everyone says good things about. And yeah. they're telling you, like, he stands on a stage and he's amazing and he changed my life and he, you know, saved our marriage and he, his message gave me the courage to seek a new job. And then that doesn't match up at home. So when that's happening, what was going through my mind is like, clearly the problem's me because everyone else says he's amazing. The church is growing. Things are awesome. So surely I guess it's me that needs to work on myself Um, and had kind of honestly been fed that line for a little while that, you know, why don't you try counseling? Um, Which is wonderful. I love counseling. But um, that realization of like, man, there's a lot more going on here than just the fact that. Um, I have some insecurity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, Brandy, you mentioned going to Kroger, wearing your hoodie, and the church you were serving at was was very large. So when this 
when everything went down and your husband resigned, did did you get bombarded with people reaching out to you, or were they afraid to reach out to you? Yeah, it was a little bit of both. Um, I think I think everyone did not know exactly what was going on. Um, the resignation was very vague. Um, the response from the church was very vague. The response from me was non-existent. So I think people didn't know exactly what was going on and what to say. Um, you know, I have a, a, one of my best friends, Lori Wilhite, who I run Leading and Loving It with, the nonprofit for women um, Christian women leaders. I um, probably had more people respond to her and say, what can we do? And I just kind of let her navigate that for me. Um, or I would forward her text to respond to because, you know, I just was so, I, I look back now and I realize in a lot of ways, God was protecting my voice mm. in the midst of it. I was scared to use my voice because I didn't know what the truth was. There were so many truths being floated out there. Okay, that's not true. There were so many stories being floated out there that trying to discern and figure out what truth was, was very difficult. Mm -hmm. So I now realize God protected my voice in this really beautiful way of um, allowing me to understand a lot of the full picture before I started responding to people. Um, so yeah, it was a little bit of both. A lot of people responding and a lot of people scared to respond. Did you feel though, um, obviously you mentioned Crosspoint and, you know, just my short time being there, um, a lot of good people on that staff, um, a lot of people within the church as well. Um, did you find them, they rallied around you like, Hey, we saw some of this type of thing and... We're with you. Yes, I will. I'm so glad you asked that question, Andy, because that's one of the things that I feel like is pretty unique in my situation. Um, as you guys mentioned before, there is divorce in ministry. And unfortunately, over the past couple of years, it's been some very public people who walk through divorce. And I get to talk to a lot of those wives post-divorce and during the divorce. And they're not always loved really well by the church that they served. And I will tell you, yes, Crosspoint was great to me. I think we were all trying to figure out truth and, um, you know, put pieces of stories together to figure out what was really going on. But yes, once things started moving, you know, full speed ahead as far as like, oh, this marriage cannot be reconciled. This is what, you know, there was lies, there was manipulation, there was infidelity, there was multiple infidelities, like all of that stuff came to light. They were incredibly supportive of me. They, um, you know, took care of my counseling for a time period. They, um, the staff ended up moving the boys and I, we sold the house we had lived in with their dad and I bought a new home and they moved us, um, showed up and probably moved us in like 90 minutes um, from one side (laughs) to the other. My realtor was here and he was like, I've never seen anything like this. Um, And then the creative team, which, you know, was a team I loved. They ended up, um, once we moved in, they purchased the same basketball goal we had at our old house and they installed it. 
um, put it together here for the boys so that they would have, you know, the same experience yeah. here, something familiar that they enjoyed doing at the new house. So, yeah, Crosspoint was great to me. And, you know, in a way that only God could orchestrate the new leader there, Kevin and Requeen, um, they have a son who's the same age as my youngest son. And those two boys are like thick as thieves, very good friends. Brewers at their house all the time. Their son is at my house all the time. Um, and it just feels like a really sweet reminder from God of like, hey, yeah, you're still connected there. It looks yeah. different than it did. But, yeah, I, your time spent there is valued and important to me. Wow. Do you, do you um, still, like, do you go to Crosspoint or is that too too hard? Yeah, I don't, that's not the church I attend, but I have definitely popped back there for different events. Um, I did it more right after because that was so much of my community and just, yeah. you know, there was a lot of grief um, connected to not being part sure, of that staff sure. and that community anymore. Um, I was there, I don't know, probably six months ago for a friend's um, baptism. Um, I've been back for baby dedications. Um, I've been back on holidays. Um, I kind of more like slide in and slide out. And yeah. there's actually a campus that's only about 10 minutes from my home. So that's the campus I would visit instead of going downtown to the main campus. But yes, I definitely pop in there and have lots of warm memories um, over my 14 years that were spent there. Wow. Well, Brandy, what, what's your divorce was final? Like mm-hmm. what, what have you gained since then? What has God done since then? How has he protected you and your and your kids? Over these last few years, yeah, uh, a great question, Chuck. It you know, God really has shown up to love me in such little and big ways um, over the past seven years. He always did, but that relationship just um, you know, when we talk about parenting these days, one of the words and even relationships, one of the phrases that we hear about a lot is attachment. Um, and attachment theory between like parents and kids and then how that plays out in your romantic relationships later on. And what I've realized is that during the course of my divorce, I was able to create a secure attachment with God um, that I'd had a relationship with God before. But as far as it being something secure where I could show up as my full self and what I was feeling and know that I was unconditionally loved, really is one of the biggest things I gained during that. Um, You know, I had not had a secure attachment in my marriage. um, And that brings just, I wanted to feel safe um, for a really long time. And to recognize that I was safe with Jesus showing up when I was really angry and mad. And the fact that prayer requests weren't answered the way I wanted them to be, that, that, security of like, hey, you might now be a single mom, but you're not alone was huge for me. Um, So I definitely gained that. I gained a really great relationship with all three of my boys. We had great relationship before that has definitely changed now that, you know, we're a family of four. I call us us four no more. Um, (laughs) And really just us four you know, the no more doesn't mean people aren't allowed in, but there are things sometimes we just need to deal with as a family unit of four. So when we moved into this house, one of the things I was super adamant about is, you know, this is a house of truth. And we have all lived a life that had a lot of lies in it and a lot of deceit in it. And that's not our life anymore. And as long as you tell me the truth, then 
we can deal with it. We can, that is something that we can work on together. But if you're going to lie, yeah, there's no room for that here. And it has not always been easy and it has not been perfect. And we have bumped our way through it. But, um, you know, it's interesting about three weeks ago, I was having a conversation with my kids and when it is a house of truth, sometimes you get more truth than you want. And, um, one of my sons was telling me something and I was like, Hey, there's just things I don't want to hear. And he said, Hey mom, house of truth. Okay. And I'm like, Mm. I've created a culture that is being thrown (laughs) back in my face and I should celebrate that. (laughs) That's good. Relationship is really great. So how has it been for the boys? I mean, obviously God didn't just protect you. He's protecting them. He's not just for you. He's for them. And you have a great relationship with them. And how has the journey been for them? Yeah, it is, you know, it it is how you would probably expect it to be with teenage boys. There are times I know exactly what they're feeling and times I'm clueless as to what they're feeling. Um, They each have their own story. I um, write Gosh, right after my divorce, right before my divorce, I was, I know I was living in the old house. I had this moment with God. I was doing my quiet time that morning and I was reading in Joshua about the Israelites coming to the Jordan River and crossing into promised land. Um, but the river was flood stage and, and God had told Joshua, like the Ark of the Covenant and the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant, they need to go first and just trust me. And, um, I had read that story for years. I luckily grew up in a church and had done the flannel graph in Sunday school with that story. But <laughs> flannel graph. Whoa. I remember that. But I knew that story really well. And I was just writing my parenting because I was so overwhelmed with doing it all. And like, I have to, you know, reintroduce church to my kids in a way that is scary. I have to, you know, make sure that their relationship with God is on track and kind of keep a pulse on that. I have to make sure that I am, you know, leading them spiritually as well as I can as a single parent. And, and I always had this list of, I have to, I have to, I have to. And I, and I would almost like anxiety would kick up and I'd almost like lose my breath and, you know, my heart would beat fast and all of that stuff. And I was reading this passage of how as soon as the first foot of the priest stepped into the Jordan river, it says the water piled up in a heap and the ground, the riverbed became solid, firm foundation. So what happened is, you know, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant, they went and they stood in the middle of the Jordan and all the Israelites crossed around them to the promised land um, on the other side of the Jordan. And I just felt God say to me like, hey, Brandy, you don't have to do this all on your own. Part of the reason you're feeling the way you're feeling is because you're trying to do jobs that aren't yours. It is not your job to lead your kids to the edge of the Jordan River. It is not your job to hold back the waters and protect them. It is not your job to stand there and hold the Ark of the Covenant. It is not your job to then deliver them to the promises that I have for them on the other side of this tragedy. And I realized like, I, I my job is just to have that relationship with God and allow my kids to see that. Like 
my job is to hold God's love in my life. My job is to have a relationship with God. My job is to continue to, you know, love the church. My job is to reflect God's love in my life to my kids. And it's his job to do everything else. And I think in that moment, I felt him say, like, you might be a single mom, but you're not parenting alone. And it just reminded me, like, if I am going to say, I believe that God can take pain in my life and use that for purpose. I believe that he can take my suffering and use it as a survival guide for others. Then I have to also believe that he can do the same thing in my boy's life. Um, So that really gave me the freedom to make sure that I was, I was holding up my end of the bargain and having that active, healthy relationship with God. And, allowing my kids to see the overflow of that. And it's just made like it easier to talk about, you know, I don't feel like, um, I don't feel like I have to hold back the waters of protection. I get to stand on the firm foundation and allow them to see God in my life. Was that hard though? You you know, um, you know, Chuck and I, we've been involved in church and church work all our lives. Um, our kids are involved with church. Um, and I think it's one thing for us to go through church hurt, right? But then for it to affect our kids. Um, I know for us there's been stuff that's that's gone on um, in different churches where it's affected our kids. Um, and that's where it's hard. Like... We can, we can be like, oh, we'll, we'll get through it. But when the kids are turning and saying, you know, Dad, the church isn't going to be doing this. Like, this is not what it's created for to hurt people. How did, how did you um, navigate those conversations? Yeah, it, <clears throat> that has been a hard one just because I feel like um, children often equate God to the church. Um, so to be able to separate like church is full of flawed people, unfortunately, um, but you are safe with God. And then to also, I think one of the conversations that was hardest to navigate, um, was one of my kids coming to me and saying we had attended a church service, um, and, a story was told about a huge prayer being answered. And he had a lot of anger of, I don't believe their story because I asked God to heal my parents' marriage and it didn't happen. So I don't believe that God did what they said he did because he didn't do it in our lives. Mm -hmm. And I do think that child would look back now and have a different reflection on that, but it's really hard to navigate those. And I let my kids feel what, that emotion is around it. So if they're angry about it and they needed space from church, I allowed that. I have never, you know, I've honestly not forced them to church. I have, um, you know, on the important days like Christmas, Easter and uh, Mother's Day, if, you know, they're with me, church is part of what I choose to do on those days. And we do that as a family and they enjoy it. I'm in a much smaller church now. 
Um, so it has actually been easier over the last two years than it was those, you know, first four or five years. I'm in a, I'm in a home church, micro church model, um, really strange as a mega church girl living in the micro church world right now, but I'm in a micro church model. And I think that has allowed my kids to feel a little bit safer um, because we're all doing this face to face every Sunday um, community together. So they have shown these guys in the church show up and, you know, pull trees that have landed on our fence after a storm and, chop those up and stack them for firewood. They've seen those guys put new brakes on one of their cars because, you know, that's a lot of money and it wasn't in our budget. So somebody in the church knew how to do it and did it for us. So they've allowed, they've been allowed to see what traditional church looks out like outside of the four walls, um, which has been a different perspective because as church kids, they're seeing what happens in the building during the week and on Sunday mornings. Um, So it's been really great, I think, for them to see the relationships that I have in my current church that has overflowed into their life um, that they honestly just kind of initially saw as, oh, mom's friends she goes to church with, and now they've become their community as well. Mm. So um, I honestly, conversations have happened, and then I just think, And I am not perfect at all, but I just thought, man, I think if my kids can see me and it took a long time for me to settle in church. So this did not happen overnight. I visited a lot of church in Franklin. I watched a lot of online church. Um, And when the pandemic happened, I was like, great. Everyone has joined me in online church. (laughs) Welcome to my service. All my people in here. Um, so it was really, I have been at the church I'm at, um, for about two years. And I was like, if I can find a church I love, then my kids get to see me love the church. And I feel like that was important for them to see if I can walk through what I walked through and find a place that is full of, you know, flawed people, but with really good and healthy, um, intentions and healthy emotions and mental health and, and no one's perfect and we show up broken, but the intention is there, then my kids are getting a different perspective of what church looks like. Mm. And I think that has been beneficial for all of them. That's good. Wow. You, you know, you mentioned earlier, uh, Lori Will Height, who's been on the podcast and, uh, uh, she, uh, I, I just know your story, right? Because, yeah. you know, uh, the closeness of it. But she has been, um, you've mentioned her already. She's been on this journey with you. I mean, before, you know, you you guys were doing ministry together before all this happened. Um, how important when going through what you went through, how important is it to get that one person or you mentioned three people that you can just rely on and how because she is from a mega church right that is a huge church massive yeah so (laughs) and you're now talking about the micro church that you're at like how how has that relationship grown um and how important is it to have someone like that in your life when you're going through this type of scenario because yours was a little bit more unique because it was very public eye. I mean, at the time, you know, your husband's on, you know, the preaching circuit of major conferences and everything else. So this wasn't just, um, I mean, it's always bad, 
right? It's always bad. But this was very public eye. How important was it that you got the right people around you at that time? Yeah, I think it's huge. And in fact, you know, as a coach, I talk to a lot of women going through a divorce or a separation and not knowing how their marriage is going to end up. But it's typically one of the very first questions I ask. I usually ask about a therapist. um, And then I ask, what does your support system look like? Because support system is huge. And, um, you know, God gave me a really great support system. Um, Lori being one of those, Lisa Hughes, she and her husband are on staff at Church by the Glades in the Fort Lauderdale area, um, was also amazing with me. Uh, And I don't think it was accidental that God put two you know, mega church couples in my life. And David and Judd also showed up in ways that I really needed um, a male figure to show up and in ways that allowed me to separate the position from the person Mm. so that not everyone who was in the position that my ex-husband was in turned out the way that our story turned out. So it was really great to see those faithful men. But And that was good for your kids as well. Right. To see men. Yeah. Not everyone was like that. Yeah. Not everyone was like that. I had Mac and Julie Richard in um, Austin, Texas are great friends. Mac is one of three boys um, whose dad, you know, left his mom for another woman. And when he was a kid, he's now, you know, our age. Um, And he would just send me messages through anyone who was crossing our paths, you know, within a few weeks of each other. Tell Brandy, when you see her, the boys are going to be okay. Mm-hmm. So, and I'll never forget it. just that reminder of like, I walked through this, your boy, I'm praying for your boys. They're going to be okay. Um, but yeah, that support system is <clears throat> really huge and really, I think, reminds you that you're going to make it. Lori was super intentional with me early on to say, you know what, Brandy, like a title that you had might be gone. The role that you filled for all of those years doesn't exist anymore for you, but no one can take God's call on your life except for God. So she really cheered me on and reminded me that ministry was not over for me. Um, She was really great to call me every single day and just say like, hey, I need to hear your voice. And she would say, in hearing your voice, I knew what kind of day it was. And I knew, you know, we're going to be on the phone for two hours or this is probably 15 or 20 minutes. So that support system is a game changer. And it became super, I had a really um, like a real world representation of how important that support system was the weekend before my mediation. So this would have been like March of 2017. I actually flew to Fort Lauderdale to be with Judd and Lori and David and Lisa and spend the weekend with them before I came back to walk through mediation, which is, you know, in Tennessee where you kind of separate and make the final decision on who gets what and all of those legal logistics. Um, So it was really important for me just to spend that weekend with them. But on at church on Sunday morning, um, they had invited a former pastor's wife whose story was very much like mine. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was really interesting. We all ended up in the green room and um, she and I, the other pastor's wife were standing facing one another. And I have like Judd and Lori on my right and David and Lisa on my left and our mine and her life looks so 
different because she did not have a support system around her. Mm. Uh, she had had so much turmoil as far as the way she was treated by the church, um, the way the exit happened. She and her kids, you know, were living in a small apartment. There had been lots of struggles for them financially and emotionally. And um, I just could almost see a reflection of what life could be like if I didn't have those people to support me and hold up my arms to be my Aaron and her um, to the Moses and hold up my arms in times when I was tired and defeated and just wanted to, you know, not get out of bed in the morning. So that, that reflection of man, you have people around you who are going to help you keep going. They're going to love you through your grief they're going to hold your story in a way that no one else can because they haven't seen, you know, behind the scenes. That was a game changer. So I think, yes, finding that support system is huge. And lots of times in order to do that, we have to be willing to engage with people when all we want to do when we're experiencing that hurt is isolate. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did, as I described, I isolated to an extent, um, but I kept talking to you know, those three people and my therapist to be able to give me that res- that perspective of you're going to make it. We're here for you. We're cheering you on. So those people who might feel like they don't have that support system, they're going to have to be brave and yeah. step out and try to make that connection. You know, identify someone in your life who's been through divorce. One of those people, the three people I talked to was a lady I'd known who'd gone through divorce 10 years prior. So she was so far removed that she could help me figure out what is life going to look like and you are going to make it and how much she loved her life post-divorce. So be brave to reach out and try to find those people. Be willing to say the hard things that are going to bring up shame and guilt when you say them out loud. That's so much shame and guilt that oftentimes we don't want to be honest about what life looked like. And you Mm. need to be willing to find those people that are safe enough that you can trust to say that to so that they can love you really well during that devastation. Wow. Well, Brandy, I know there's a lot of people listening that we know this is a divine appointment, that they are in a spot where they're broken and they feel alone and they're navigating divorce and they're maybe still in a season of, of grieving can you take a moment and pray for our listeners? We just, um, we know that they're, you know, the word of God says in Romans ten seventeen, faith comes by hearing the word of God. And, you know, another thing that helps us is when we hear somebody else who has been through what we're in right now, right? And I, we know that you're living proof that the answer to how are you doing can be better than okay, right? We can be better than okay, you are better than okay. And now God is using your pain as a platform to speak into others. So can you pray for those others? I'd love to. God, I just want to come before you now and specifically pray for those men and women who are walking through really bumpy places in their marriage. They could be talking about separation. They could be leaning toward divorce. They could have already met with attorneys, God. And I just want to ask that you be with those people and remind them how much you love them. Um, It is heartbreaking when the person who's supposed to love you the most doesn't. 
So I just ask that you step in and you wrap your loving arms around them and allow them to feel the peace and the comfort that only you can provide, God. And I just want to ask that you give them patience in your timeline. Your timeline in their lives is perfect. And man, it is so hard to be patient in the waiting, God. So I just want to ask that in the waiting, you do grow them and you draw them close and you allow that attachment um, that you have as their heavenly father to be an attachment of security, God. And I just want to ask that you make those people brave. You make them brave to get the help they need. Yeah. You make them brave enough to be honest with people they can trust um, and share where they really are and what's going on in their life, God. And I just want to ask that you give them strength as a parent. Remind them that you love their kids more than they do, which is so hard for us as moms and dads to remember God, but remind them that you love their kids and you want the best for them and you want the best for their kids, God. And I just want to ask that you give them wisdom and discernment in in making decisions, big decisions about their lives and their parenting plans and what finances look like post-divorce, God, that you just give them wisdom and discernment, God. And you just also give them a peace that you are with them in those decisions, God. And I know there are people out there right now praying for truth. Truth was something that I prayed for a lot. And I just want to ask that you do give them the truth that they need to move forward, God. And then I just want to ask that you also give them glimpses of hope into their future. Um, Glimpses that they will smile again. They will laugh again. They will get through life one day at a time. And one day they will recognize not only are they okay, God, but they have walked with you and they are now living life better than okay, God. And I just want to ask that you allow them the connection they need with other people who are walking similar journeys and other people who have gone before them, God, so that they don't feel alone. Let them know they are seen and they are loved. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. 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 Well, thank you, Brandy, for um, talking and opening up a bit today. There is so much more in the book. And so can you let people know about the book and uh, where they can get it, how they can connect with you on social media? I know just because I know who you are, you will welcome people connecting with you and uh, that are going yeah. through things like this. Oh. Totally. I would love to. I'm, I will say I'm, I'm not a same day responder because I get a lot of messages, but yes, I do try to answer absolutely everything. Um, so yes, the book is entitled better than okay. You can get it at on Amazon. Um, you can get it at Barnes and Noble. You can get it at Baker books. Um, so any of those places you can find the book. Um, it, again, is better than okay finding hope and healing after your marriage ends. Um, and then I can be found on Instagram at love Brandy Wilson, Brandy with an I. Um, and then my website is lovebrandywilson.com that has information about the book. It has information about coaching, some of the courses I teach. Um, and then on Facebook, I'm Brandy Wilson as well. I can be found there. Um, so yeah, they can find me just about everywhere. And I'm sure you guys will be listing that in the yes. podcast notes as well. So those can be found um, there if they haven't had time to write it all down. Great. All right, guys, go get the book. Go and get the book. And, <laughs> and not just, you know, it may not be that you're getting the book for yourself, but you may know people that are going through stuff right now 
Uh, I think we all know people going through stuff, um, divorce and bumpy marriages and trying to walk through, you know, yesterday somebody said to me um, they had not gone through a divorce, but they had gone through a really major life transition. Um, And they said, I feel like I have to figure out a new identity. And I'm like, no, you do. And and they said, will your book help me with that? I'm like, absolutely. I have a couple of chapters on identity and figuring out, you know, who you are once life changes. But yeah, you're right. Lots of people. We know somebody we love who is walking this pathway. So it's a great gift yeah. for those people as well. Well, um, thank you again for coming on. We're going to end the show, though, with the big three, which, uh, you know, the three questions that everyone wants to know uh and so (laughs) and so uh we're gonna we're gonna uh fire three questions um you want to start chuck sure yeah Yeah. all right my question brandy is i know you're a football mom so are you a titans fan and how about college football what do you who do you root for I'm a huge Titans fan. Yes, I. We have been Titans fans since before my children were born. They were in Titans onesies. So, yes, <laughs> it's really great because as they're spreading out, because um, I have two in college in the fall and one still at home. If they haven't talked during the week, which is rare, they talk a lot. They talk on Sunday during Titans games. So, yeah, I think that's a connection of, you know, even when we're disappointed that it didn't turn out the way we want, we can connect and talk about it. So, yes, huge Titans fan. All right. Oh, college. You know, it's so interesting. I am a huge Kentucky college basketball fan. Okay. But we haven't had much football to cheer for in the past, but the Kentucky quarterback just signed for the Titans. So oh. I feel like, you know, that's kind of bleeding into my present life. All so right. I honestly love all college football and college football is on at my house Thursday nights. It's on all day Saturdays and then football's on all day Sundays too. It's just, we can't get enough of it. Y'all. Oh, man. <laughs> It's the wrong. Fo- it. It's the wrong football for me, but that's oh, all right. That's yes. all right for me. Um, so one of the things that I had to get used to coming to America, but especially then being down in Nashville, uh, was country music. Are you a country music fan? And if so, who yes. who who are you? Uh, who are you listening to? Oh my gosh, I'm a huge country music fan. I was raised in rural Kentucky. And, you know, how I, this is how I would describe it. Some of my friends, their parents would be like, you can only listen to Christian music. My parents were like, you can only listen to country music. So uh, I had the, um, the cassette tape of the Judd's first album that I memorized. I had Alabama, um, that band that I loved. Uh, Who do I listen to right now? I have a huge 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 affection for keith urban and always have um right now i am listening to some of the newer stuff i love luke combs um i am i do like um bailey zimmerman is great um my kids keep me up on what is current so they actually make their playlist on spotify and then share those with me so i listen to But they're listening to cool. so yeah it's great we um just listened to a podcast driving home from the beach on jelly roll um and i'm like oh i loved hearing his story and now hear his music differently so i've even had a few of his songs worked into my soundtrack cool wow. you, you mentioned keith urban when i yeah. was on staff at cross point i one lunchtime 
walked over the bridge, you know, there's the walking bridge and he was doing a free concert downtown. And I I was, I mean, there was thousands there and I was like, I hope I don't get in trouble. Like, um, you know, I'm over lunch. It might go, go over. And I'd look over to my right and there's all the creative team from cross point. (laughs) And I was like, Oh, I'm fine. (laughs) So my daughter and my wife and I, we went and saw Keith Urban. Oh, about a year ago. Phenomenal concert, yeah. just incredible. Oh my god, he's such just a talented cool artist. Yeah, dude. And, and he got sighted at the local Planet Fitness. Everybody was losing their mind. And <laughs> anyway, <laughs> oh, all right. So, so um, question number three: Describe the perfect hangout night with your boys. Oh gosh, yeah, that's awesome question. Um, it's going to involve a little bit of being out and it's going to involve a little bit of being at home. Um, one of the things that I got them in this summer is pickleball. Oh, um, so we would probably play a, they're very competitive and you know, it's like whoever takes me on their team is getting a handicap, um, <laughs> but they still take me, which is shocking. So we would probably play a little bit of pickleball. We would grill out um that's one thing that I rarely have to do is with three boys. Somebody's always willing to grill. Um, we have a really great patio. So we would, you know, probably have music going and be out on the patio. And then, um, honestly, we would probably curl up and watch an episode of The Bachelor together. We do The Bachelor every <laughs> month. <laughs> it's take Monday. I've done it since my oldest son was in like eighth grade. He'd have friends over and we'd watch Bachelor together or Bachelorette, whatever's in season. So I'm never going to get asked to write a parenting book. But <laughs> it's just, you know, just been like Monday Night Bachelor. We all would watch that. And, and it's honestly, it's not because we take it seriously. It just gives us a lot to laugh about and right, to teach right. y'all today. Love it. Yep. I it is, you know, teaching y'all. That's, yeah. yeah, there you go. Great but stuff. Great way to get around it. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh Well, we just want to thank you again for coming on to Revival Town. I know uh, your story has already impacted so many people. Uh, it stinks that you had to go through it, but yet um, you're able to come on on the other side and be able to help so many. So thank you for coming on and also writing the book and uh, uh, yeah, just being amazing at being able to share the story. I know a lot of people would have completely, uh, it'd have knocked them out, but uh, you kept going. So thanks for coming on Brandy. Thanks so much for having me. I so enjoyed it guys. Wow. Great stuff. Great conversation great interview with brandy get the book guys wow you know as we were talking i didn't want to bring it up uh in the conversation um just because i didn't want to like throw her off guard you know right um but just recently uh and i call i called you texted you immediately when i watched it because it it affected me and still is uh, and that was the documentary on Hulu, uh, all about Hillsong that has just come out. So we're not right. talking about the one that was on Discovery a few, you know, about two years ago. We're on about one that's just come out, and it was like following on from where Carl Lentz and his wife are now. Right. 
Um, and then it, there's four episodes. The first two really focus on Carl and his wife. The last two focuses on Brian Houston and what's going on right. over there at the minute with right. all the court cases. Right. And I said to you, you need to watch it. You watched the first two. I watched the first two, and I, I really was engaged big time to see where Carl's at now, how him and Laura are navigating through his infidelity yeah. <clears throat> and through all the brokenness that came as a result of his choices. But I wasn't ready for the other two episodes. And you told me, hey, have you watched it yet? I said, I watched the first two. Like, you got to watch the other, the last two. And I finally did just, just only a few days ago. And I, I couldn't stop watching. I, and I was just like so, so um, fascinated with with how people were, were treated, some of the things that happened. And I, and I know when, when there's television, things are sensationalized. There's always two sides of the story. But you really can see that there were cracks in the foundation from the beginning. Absolutely. So eventually it was going to. It was going to tumble. I think, and it me- did. And and not not that God can't restore, right? Brian Houston and and Carl Lentz, but in in watching, uh, you know, it does appear that Carl was crying out for help before this Absolutely. all went down. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Um, and I he do was like, feel he he was repentant even on the TV show, right? What he's gone through the last two three years, like. The, the yeah. rebuilding of his marriage and his family and Laura is on there saying what they'd been doing yeah it's raw it's very it's raw. real and, and she shares I mean I mean she has every right to walk away from him and there are people that have have ripped her for staying with him but when you when you watch it and you and she really initially did for her kids for her children but then um, I mean one of the things he brings up is every all throughout their home now um, there are books about, you know, what do you do when your spouse cheats and all these different things. And yeah. he was like, um, can you can you get rid of these? And she was adamantly like, no, no, you Remind did this. this. This is this is we're walking through this. This yeah. is the mess that you made. But I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you what impacted me the most out of all four episodes. And I, I didn't text this to you, I don't think. And. Um, but it shows them, and now, you know, now we know he's on staff now at at Transformation Church in Tulsa. Not as a pastor, though. Not as a pastor, right? He's he's not in a in a pastoral role. It's just a cons- he's a consultant. Yeah. But um, so this that I'm setting up was prior to that, and they were living in Sarasota, yeah. I believe. Yeah. Florida, and I don't know what church they were attending, but the camera crews were there, and here you have this family who was leading one of the largest churches in the country for one of the largest churches in the world in Hillsong. Yeah. And then they experienced all the brokenness and betrayal and just everything that comes with that. And it showed them at home eating supper with the family and talking and hanging out with the kids. But what got me the most was when it showed the family in church and their little boy lifted up his hands and was worshiping. Yeah. And it broke me, man. Yeah. Yeah. I began to weep as I watched this this young man still worshiping God in spite of his whole life yeah. being turned upside down. Yeah. I mean, having to move from where they grew up, right? They were all grew up in New York. Right. Everything changed. School, 
where they live, is dad coming home, right. friends, I mean, everything. Yeah. And I think that's what I liked about um, when we were talking with Brandy, when we, we asked the question about affecting kids and, um, and church hurt and, and how that is a real thing. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think a lot of some of the movements that we've seen um the deconstruction stuff is really people who have got church hurt yeah that's that's what it really comes right. down to yeah there there is a such thing as church hurt and there's also a such thing as i'm not going to be held accountable for my own actions so i'm going to throw the church under a bus there's Correct. both yes. and there's everything in between yeah but what i love about brandy is she had every right to remain jaded yeah yeah but Instead, she's using her pain as a platform, I said earlier, to help others. And she's living proof that you can have your world crushed and still be better than okay. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. comes down to your choice. Yeah. And she made the right choice. Yeah. Yeah. Loved it. Well, uh, go ahead and get Brandy's book and get connected with her. I mean, she is the type of person that if you're going through stuff and you reach out, she will... She'll get back to you. Uh, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, Randy, thank you for coming on. Thank you. Uh, you know what's next, don't you? Hey, I almost forgot, man. We were That was some, some good conversation right there. Oh, man, got a bit yeah. deep. Woo, nearly got <laughs> saved. Uh, so uh, now we, we are on Tate and his mate. If this is the first time that you have listened, this is where I will throw an English word, phrase, Rhyming Cockney slang. Whoa, look at you, just pulling it out. And so uh, uh, I'll throw something at my mate, Tate, and uh, we will see if he can get it or not. Yeah. You ready? I'm ready. Uh, So one of the things that I used to like uh, on a Friday night was a chip cub. A chip cub. So this is before you came to Jesus then? (laughs) (laughs) So really the... A chip cub? Cub. C-O-B. Okay, chip cub. Cub. Really the cub. Cub. What's a cub? Like corn on the cob. All right, so a chip cub. Yeah. What is a chip cub? You're not going to get I have no idea chip cob yeah i'm like stumped i can't even guess so you using a sentence a different sentence um <laughs> as uh, you would say put it into context for dinner we would have a chip cob <laughs> so friday night you have a chip cob now for dinner you have a, a chip cob um it was a friday night thing friday night thing, a chip a chip cob um it's so funny when you try to do it. Like, you change the speed of it to try. How about a spotted tea with a cookie? No. Okay. Right. No. No. If you break it down, you may get it. A chip. Chip. And a cob. What's a chip in England? A chip, like a fish and chips. Right. Um. I don't know, man. You, Did you I be? Oh. I, I'm, I'm stumped. Okay. I'm humbly bowing out of this one. So a chip is French fries, yeah. fish and yeah. chips. Yeah. Yep. And a cob is a bread roll. Okay. 
I, I, I couldn't get corn out of the cob out of my head. <laughs> so it'd so. be a chip cob. You'd put chips in it and put tomatoes, ketchup on and eat it. Okay. Which my wife finds really weird that you'd have potato in bread like that. You yeah. know what I mean? She's like, yeah. yes. but I make, the Brits make sandwiches out of everything. Yeah. Everything. I mean, you can have a meat pie with pastry in it and we're putting so, it on a sandwich. So do Brits put ketchup on a lot of stuff? Yeah. Ketchup or... Um, what is called brown sauce, which is like it's, hey, <laughs> it's like <laughs> I need to bring that in. That, that is one we'll, I'll bring in. Okay. All right, okay. All um, right. But it's like um, it's a bit like Heinz Fifty Seven oh, okay. type okay. of yeah, sauce, yeah. a bit right. like that. So, right. yeah, there. Yeah. so there you go. Uh, sauce me. There you go. I'll beat you, man. Well, another another great week. Great another great episode. Yep. Make sure you are tuning in next week. Make sure you're telling people about Revival Town Podcast. And uh, next week, we'll be telling you also about something that's special happening uh, in the next few weeks. Not going to say anything. I'm not going to give it away. And we've never done what we're going to do in the next couple of weeks at Revival Town Podcast. Yeah. So tune in next week so you can find out what we will be doing soon. All right, Chuck. Thank you so much, mate. See you soon. Bye. for listening to this episode of Revival Town Podcast. Make sure you're following us on social media and remember to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information, head on over to RevivalTownPodcast.com.